Hey, it's Burton Shallow. And this is Savannah Hart, and you're listening to the Black Box Podcast. Different players, they have different likes, different wants, different needs. Some guys care to win. Some guys care to just get the next contract. I think a lot of guys want to do both. Um, I think that's the idea. You want to be in this league as long as you can, make the most as you can, but also win. On this week's episode, we have Danny Green of the Philadelphia 76ers. He talks about being traded twice in one week, the bubble, everything that's going on with the racial inequality in the world, and the business side of basketball. Let's get into it. All right, Danny, thank you so much for joining the Black Box Podcast today. We're so excited to have you, and we're really, really excited to get into this conversation. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. My guy, Burton. Go way back, like four flats on the Cadillac. He always looks out for me. So, you know, got to jump on his pod whenever he has it. So appreciate you guys having me. Congratulations on your third trip. That's amazing. You. you know, and you really got to experience something special within the bubble. And we kind of wanted to touch in on that experience a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a very, very particular time, obviously within a pandemic, but also, you know, as a black athlete going into this within the Black Lives Matter, while the Black Lives Matter was at the height of its protests. I know it was really, really important for the players to, you know, make their voices heard. And it mm-hmm. was said that, you know, you guys went in there with the with an agenda, you know, to speak to the owners and have your voices heard. Um, I wanted to know what that process was like. Were you involved? And what were some of those demands that you guys made? Oh, man. Um the process was very hectic, especially in the bubble. Um, before the bubble, I think we had all had time to sit, think, breathe. Um, we weren't playing. It wasn't pressure on us to get back up and running. But when we paused again, it was like we had to think of something quick and have some quick demands um, because, you know, time is ticking. Guys are in shape. You don't want to miss out on games. You don't want to, you know, lose out on rhythm. Um, so they're trying to get the, the games back going as soon as possible. Um, we were in a rush, but we knew that the more time that we waited, the worse it's going to be for us, the worse it's going to be for the league, the longer we'd have to be in the bubble. And so they were trying to make a decision in one day, one night, which we all knew was damn near impossible. But when you try to make that happen that quickly, there's going to be some tension. There's going to be some debates. There's going to be some, you know, uh, arguments going on. So a difference of opinions. And that's pretty much what it was, it was a room full of everybody. I've never seen a room with so many guys, so many coaches all at once and at the same time guys let their opinions be known and um, it didn't go well the first night so we got a chance to uh, go home sleep on it reconvene the next day and figure it out we came to some terms some demands uh, as groups as teams and uh, we brought it to the forefront talked to you know cp uh, iggy uh, a lot of the guys are the head uh, of our uh, players association and, um, you know, express to them what it is that we're looking for, what kind of wins we need and who we needed behind us. And that's when we got on the phone with the owners. So we need the owners behind us. We need, um, you know, these people behind us. We need everybody behind us. We can't just do this on our own. The league seems to be like ahead of the curve when it comes to supporting their athletes, when it comes to this ongoing dialogue about social justice. As a player, can you shed some light? On that, is it the league? Is it the union? Are you guys pushing them? Are they saying, "Yeah, this makes it's sense"? It's only above, man. But I, it definitely has to start with the union. Um, the union does a great job protecting us, uh, but that relationship, that bond, has it didn't start just now. You know, it's been built up over time. Um, and it said us going back and forth to the league, us, 
having certain partnerships with the league and deals with leagues, you know, they, they feel like they have to protect us as well. And, um, you know, Adam Silver has been amazing even before him. Rest in peace, David Stern. Uh, they've always been for the players and try to, you know, compromise for in our favor. Um, so, so that relationship has started, you know, years, years before I haven't been in the league. It's only grown stronger. Um, so when we have our player association, our guys protecting us and the league want to, you know, have our backs as well. It makes it easy uh, for everything to fall in line and, or for everything to align uh, and to, for guys to be able to express themselves or our passions and move forward as one and it'd be more powerful than it is if we were separate. Just so you, you made a, you made a point that was going right into my next question. What year is this for you? 13, 12, 12, 12 years. <laughs> God bless you. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Thank so, you. I mean, I'm sure you've seen a change in the league. It's evolved. Do you, do you think there's a power shift t- towards the players? Like are players more powerful than ever? And I'm not talking about like free agency power. I'm talking more about like, I mean, this year was an unprecedented year. You guys demanded action. Do you think you guys are more powerful? I think so than what it was before. I think everything is more powerful now when you have the access you have with things, social media, um, platforms. Our platforms are a lot bigger than it was back then. Everybody is. And so the TV deals that we have, we're always on TV. We always have so these social media platforms, podcasts. Um, and so as you can see, uh, you didn't see it often back then but you see now how much power we have not just on the court but off the court with certain guys voices making and moving the needle or uh, making a stand Um, obviously we still know we have a long ways to go because even with our voices being heard and not really being heard the way we want them to be uh, because of we're not getting the justice that we want but there's still some things being done some things being uh, turned some decisions being made and I don't know if that would have happened you know 10 15 20 years ago do you think there's just a higher consciousness of like this generation of athletes? Like, what do you think is leading? T- you guys have more power. I agree with that. 15 years ago, I don't know if the league budgets on this kind of stuff. And I want to touch on that later in the pod, but do you think it's just like a higher consciousness of, of the group? Like, you guys are exercising that power. It's one thing to have it. It seems like you guys are exercising the power. For sure. And I think it's, I wouldn't say it's by accident or by choice. Um, sometimes it is. A lot of us choose to, but a lot of us, we know because of who we are and the role models that um, we're looked up to at by so many youth and people around us, the platforms that are given us, the reason why they're paying us the big bucks is because this comes part of the job, even though it shouldn't be. But, you know, we, a lot of us, some of those guys may not want to speak out. But no, by no choice, they said, we don't have the choice. Some of us in that bubble, we're now not just basketball players anymore. You know, even though said some of us feel passionate about it, want to be involved in it. Some of them may not, but guess what? You're part of the group, and we have to move as one. You may want to be a basketball player, but you have to be on this forefront with us as well and using your voice for not just us, but our communities, our families back home. Um, so, yeah, I think it's us being more aware, but also, I guess, let me say the pressure, but uh, the fact that we have those platforms and the eye is on us, and whenever we move, people are going to follow I think the infrastructure, though, is important, right? Because, yes, like you guys do have the platforms and the access to make your voice be heard. But, you know, we we saw the example of Colin Kaepernick when he made his voice heard and he had so many people behind him. And yet he was still blackballed out of the league. And we would never see that, I feel like, in the NBA. So it has to be something different within the infrastructure, right? Like, what what do you think For that sure. is? Do you think it's the support from the ownership? Do you think it's the commissioner? That's all the above. And I said, uh, we're not the first ones to do this. 
that this has been going on. And some guys have actually tried to use their platform and, and their name and everything they had going to make a stand. And a lot of those guys got blackballed for, from the league as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can't take credit. I'm Greg Hodges. Sure those guys yeah, yeah, for way sure. before us, you know, Mahmoud Abdul-Aroof. There's yeah, some other yeah. guys, you know saying? Like you, guys back then that, you know, had a, felt a certain way about certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, but so the league has changed. We have changed. Our platform has changed. Our power has shifted and changed to where the league would look crazy if they blackballed us at this point mm-hmm. for taking a stand passionately about our culture, our communities, or our political stance. But so we were not the pioneers of this. You know, this has come a long way, and we have a lot of those guys to thank, one, commend, and we owed a lot of them. Uh, we owe them a lot more than what they were given. So I had actually had this conversation, a promo here on my other pod. But do you think that like, what do you think the difference is between the league's approach to this, the NBA's approach to this, and some of the other leagues, specifically the NFL? Like, you know, it's it feels like to Savannah's point, it feels like the league and Adam is behind you guys, right? You said, and you said yourself, like they'd look crazy if they didn't support us, mm-hmm. but. The NFL didn't support Colin Kaepernick, and I and I don't want to get into the blackball or not blackball mm-hmm. or the legal terms to to him not having a job because all of that's going to be fought out in court, and you can even have a sports debate of like, well, I don't want the distraction, whatever. I, it just doesn't feel like they're supporting him. What do you think that like? Why do you think one league does it and other leagues don't? I think at that time was it there was different. Um it's hard to explain or put into words because um, I don't know much. I can't speak on the NFL or their ownership as much as I can, but I just know Adam. And I think he knows that everything that we do is magnified. We are the highest at the pedestal of what to follow, you know, and that starts with him as well. And if he didn't back us, you know, we would at some way, some shape or form protest, and he don't want that. We don't want that type of league. He doesn't want that type of relationship with us. But mind you, um, he's not that type of guy. You know, yep. He's a very open guy. And he accepts all people, races, and think wants equality, wants fairness, which is, that's where it starts. I think the NFL at that point, I think which they have starting to change. And you see Jay Z's coming over and trying to you know get some things going with, with Roger and uh, change that narrative, change the atmosphere. Um, and get them to start backing players. Yeah, I just think the league's ahead of the curve, or at least ahead of the other leagues. I, you touched on we partners. Have to be. Yeah, we have yeah. To I be, mean, I, I mean, I love it. Obviously, I'm a huge NBA fan. I'm, I work in basketball. I love that they're thinking about these very important topics in a very serious way. You touched on partnerships. I've gone through this on the business side of things. I mean, it's a business. Right? Everything that happened in China and and sort of the delicate line that Adam Silver had to walk and everybody had to walk, that was about money. That was about viewers. That was about selling usually products, usually right? Always is. Yeah, usually always so good. I'm glad you said that. So when it comes to business and, um, you know, we obviously want to touch on a lot of things on this pod, uh, but be mindful of your time. But I, I just can't let this one go because it's important to me. When it comes to business and brands, my experience, unfortunately, in the last six months has been that brands will talk the talk when it comes to racial equality. But they don't always walk the walk. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, like, have you experienced that? And then if you haven't, if you have, I'd love to hear an example of it. You don't have to name the brand, obviously. But, like, if you haven't experienced it, how would you react to that? Like, you know, a brand saying, yeah, we're about racial equality. 
but then they're, they're not really, really not. That's, that's everything. That's hundreds of thousands of brands. Yeah. And, and it's really not my job to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And it sucks because you never know who's really with you. You never know who's, uh, you know, for you. Most of us as black people, as community minorities and different brown and black communities, we always assume like, all right, we don't put it past anybody. We assume they're already a certain way before we even deal with them. Or, or And if they prove us differently, then cool. But we're not shocked by it. Um, but we do know that, you know, a lot of people that we deal with, whether it's coaches, owners, partnerships, sponsorships, they're going to have people in their, you know, group or in their organization that are probably not the most open to all races. But I don't think we care. We're still forcing you. We're forcing the issue. We're forcing you. Even if you don't like it, you're going to have to put your money behind this. I mean, not all the owners may not want to be involved, but guess what? We're putting the pressure on you to, because if you don't pretend, you're going to lose out on a lot of money. You lose out a lot of fans. You're going to lose out on us or our talent of even playing for you or being with this organization. And so that's just kind of the pressure that we have to put on everybody around us, even though they may not like it or not, or they might be pretending. Either way, you know, we're forcing them to either do something that they're a part of or at least learn about it. But yeah, we have to put that pressure on them to at least. Uh, you know, put some type of money behind it. And a lot of times it's said businessmen, even if they don't, they have to follow suit because they don't want to lose out on money or business. That's such an interesting perspective. I'll tell you a story about like, you guys are in the bubble. George Floyd got murdered on Memorial Day. I'm putting together all these different programs around athletes, including, you know, your podcast and all this stuff. And I'm, you know, building all the pitch decks. And now I'm starting to talk to brands. And in every conversation that I had with a brand, I made it a point to ask them, where do you stand when it comes to racial equality and social justice? Because every program, everything I do is, you know, branded content, all that stuff. Some of the narrative is going to include the idea of equality. And I point blank asked people that question. Right. And, and because mm-hmm. it's Zoom, you could see their facial reactions. Mm-hmm. And some of them didn't respond. Some, most of them responded well to it uncomfortably though. yeah yeah and some of them yeah exactly were uncomfortable about it but i didn't i was so fed up at that point this summer where i didn't care if you were uncomfortable yeah no that's and that's how it should be that's how we are we don't care whether you think that or not or you know we're gonna force you to do this or we're force you to answer these questions but it's crazy that those questions make people uncomfortable as if you ask them about their bedroom activities right right <laughs> so, oh, who'd you vote for? And you're like, uh, it's none of your business. Like, okay, we just want to know. I'm saying it's not that crazy or deep of a question, but because they want to hide it, that they don't want you to look at them a certain way. It makes them uncomfortable and they don't want to give you the insurance. They want to give you the politically correct answer, which I said, that's fine. You can be politically correct, but I'm going to know at some point who you are, what you're about. And either way, it's still going to force you to do what you don't want to do and put your business behind this and show you, because if not, then, you know, we're going to, we're going to put you out there. We're going to let you let the world be known. It, though. We're not dealing with you. You'd walk away from a deal, right? Like if, if you sure. sense like this brand was not really about it or there's some racial te- racist tendencies, you'd walk away from oh, it. Oh, definitely. And I think because they know that, so that the power is with us now, not just athletes, but anybody with a name. So Danny, I, I want to pivot for a second. We, we mentioned before that, you know, you're a 12 year vet in this industry, which which isn't isn't common, and you didn't have the the normal path as many championship three time three time winners, right? Mm-hmm. You were a second mm-hmm. round pick, played overseas, played in the G League, and now you are where you are. What was what was that path like? You know, like 
it takes more than talent and work ethic. I think it takes, you know, a certain business mind as well. Um, did you have the proper management around you? Did you have the proper agent? Was it your familial support? Everything. Was it all? And I know I keep saying it's all of the above, but everything. I believe, I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason. Um, but that road was wild, it was up and down, but very necessary. And I was lucky enough to go to college for four years to actually learn and go through a lot of stuff, be taught things, not just as a basketball player, but as a man. Mm. So I how to handle my bills, just, you know, put things in order and learn, you know, decipher who to keep around me, who not to keep around me. But I had at the time, I said there's different people now than it was then. But at the time, those are the right people around me to help guide me through that, whether it was my agency, my family, my foundation, my friends, uh, which most of them are still around. Obviously, there's a couple of changes here and there, but all of it was necessary and all of it was needed. For sure. I'm, I'm curious as to who, who helped you kind of structure that because the little background on me, I actually was the player development director for the Brooklyn Nets. And that was my exact role with these guys coming in, like the Jared Allens who are signing at 19, 20 years old. And they don't know how to do that. We have programs in place as to, you know, how to say no to extended family members, um, how to write a check because a lot of the times they, they lean on people who are provided to them maybe by the big agents or whatever the case may be. So what was that? What did that support look like for you throughout college? It was pretty much a lot of my teammates, my coaching staff there, hmm. my family, my dad helped me choose my agent, my agent helped me with this. But and that's all self-experience. I had to learn over time to how to say no, yeah. um, learn how to write a check, obviously, in school and how to pay bills and everything like that. Make sure you have things in order and how to save your, your dollar, your money for a rainy day. Um, but all that other stuff, listen, I was fortunate enough to have a dad to teach me a lot of those things um, and an agent and people around me and friends and just life experience to teach me what to say no to, what to say yes to. Savannah, are there, is there tension between the team and some of the players like extended team like the hanger honors or people that are around is there ever tension between the team and those people no i wouldn't say tension um at least not in the nets organization because at least sean marks like he's all about family and he wants his players to feel like they're at home so you know like tone russell was always there with d'angelo um and he was always welcome sorry let me rephrase that okay if there's a bad apple is there tension between a bad apple and the team like sure. uh, right like do, have you experienced that Danny? Or like even even if it's a good apple it doesn't matter it's different with different organizations but you know even in carolina you know coach Williams wasn't a big fan of agents and he'll let it be known he's not a big fan of agents but even in like in certain facilities i'm not gonna name this team but agents weren't allowed in family rooms yes they want the family to be there but business people they don't want them you know dealing or being with around the families right that type of thing they like to separate the two Mm, that was the same as well but i think that's just like simply conflict of interest you know that's different from like the homeboys you know like your manager or whatever but even then i'm just saying separation even some of the homeboys that try to be business with you Mm. and do business for you they're like they don't they're not fans of those certain people you know they like to try to say oh this is the homie when they know they're doing business, but mm-hmm. there are some tension between those types of people, the, the business homies. Yeah. And so, so yeah, the good transition because I wanted to ask you about this. I know, I know you a little bit, right? I would consider you a friend, and I know you put your people on. I know, I, I know that's in your character. I try my best to. I think a lot of us. That's the next part of the success step is when you make mm-hmm. it and you try to bring. And everybody's trying to do what Bron did, you know, what he's doing right. and trying to bring your people up. So, yeah, we all try to do that. But how do you deal with the malicious person? Like, 
How do you deal with that person you know, like clearly is up to no good, is using your name the wrong way? I it's, mean, it's an uncomfortable, just like all these uncomfortable conversations, it's sometimes uncomfortable, depending on the relationship with the person. When you put, put those people in place of business or allow them to do business with them, you got to keep them at a certain length. Even though they might be the homie you might know for years, you still have to be able to talk to them in a business sense. Right. In a sense to where, you know, it's, you know, it's, you know, this conversation with your family, like it's hard the first time to say no to them. Because, mm-hmm. oh, it's my mom, it's my dad, it's my brother. I can't mm-hmm. say no to them. Um, but once you have it one time, now they're like, all right, they, they know what type of lane they're in. And you know, they're not going to ever get too comfortable. You can't allow people around you to get too comfortable with anything that they're doing, which is kind of crazy. So uncomfortable conversation. You changed agencies. You went from mm-hmm. one reputable BDA is a reputable agency. You went from one reputable agency to another, Rock Nation. But you Mm -hmm. had that, that, you fired your agent. I mean, that's how, that's how that works, right? So like. That's how it usually works. Right. So. I mean, very, very rarely does an agent fire you or say I'm not working for you anymore. And and again, I know you, Danny. I don't think any agent's firing you. Like, you're a good guy. You're above board. You're an NBA player, right? Like, you're not causing problems and you're not a fringe player that's also difficult to deal with, right? So. For sure. It was more so we parted ways. I wouldn't say, oh, I fired. Yeah, I know. That's the PR. I got it. That's the press release. It wasn't bad blood. It wasn't anything like that it was just i saw something that was better for me and was like i wanted to hire them it wasn't like oh you guys aren't doing this i, I was transitioning into more of the agency i was looking for for things to help me build brand off the court and bda was great um contracts with team basketball. how uncomfortable was that conversation I, like what i want is the audience to learn about it right I, it was uncomfortable i was i was younger at the time and it was like look man it has nothing to do with you guys because they kept asking like we're here and you guys are moving around looking at other and I was like, well, other agencies are looking at me. They're coming my way, and I'm always open to meetings, this, that, and other. Um, but it was more so like, look, I appreciate you guys for everything you've done for me. You know, we're still family. Love you guys, this, that, and another. But, you know, moving forward, what's best for me and my family, what's best for my brand, I'm going with this company because I think this will help build, you know, things off the court for me. How did you approach it? How did you do it? Phone call? Email? Yeah, it was um, – I'm more of a text kind of guy. You know that too. So I was more of a text than a phone call. It was back and forth text messages than phone calls and actually got a chance to talk to them and discuss over the phone. So it was, it was phone calls. It wasn't as many FaceTimes going on back then, I think. Right. I, was changing. I mean, we, we had FaceTime. I think it was about four or five years ago. Yeah, we had FaceTime, but we just didn't use it as much. So I was making these calls uh, a little while ago. So yeah. Um, Were you reading books at the time about how to have uncomfortable conversations no, in a comfortable I, setting? I, like. Cause I, I, I've been fired before, right? Like I, I've been fired and I've fired people. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. Like mm-hmm. even no. when you know, like I got, I got to fire this person because yeah. it's just not working, right? I mean, you're talking about something different. You're talking about, it's not that it wasn't working. I'd see something better for me, but mm-hmm. either way, you're saying to yourself, I got to fire this person. That shit is uncomfortable. Yeah. End of the day, you're losing out on a job. It's never a happy on one side. It's never, you said one side is always going to be disappointed or not happy or upset, regardless of how the relationship was or ended. And that's most relationships. Right. You know, not every relationship parts ways where both sides are happy. Yep. So, Danny, being that you're in the double digits of your career, did you feel a little bit more pressure to start doing more off-court things so that you can have an easier transition? Is that kind of where that came from, or you just uh, wanted no to? Pressure. No, not at all. Everything for me is usually I try to let it happen organically. But I've always, mm-hmm. even before I got into this league, I felt maybe it was more pressure then because I didn't think I was going to stick or be around for mm-hmm. that long. So it was like 
I need to make my mark. I need to learn as much as I can. I need to be a rep. I need to, you know, get involved because, you know, it's early, early years. I wasn't playing. I wasn't high draft pick. I wasn't playing a lot. I wasn't a rotational guy. I didn't know how long I'd be in this league. So I had to make the most of it of my connections. And that was, you know, that was taught to me early age in school. You know, it's not about, it's something, it's a little about what you know, but it's more about who you know. So like, you, know, you go to school, make all these connections, meet as many people as you can. Uh, and, you know, that's what school and college is about and do the same in the league. And so is that what the podcast and like doing these kind of, like, I know you did sportscaster, you, your podcast is dope. Um, and I know you have some of this in your head that like you and I were texting about Jim Nance and Tony Romo and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Is that what's in your head next? Like you did stick for 12 plus years. So yeah. that happened. And like you said, like it's not about having to work, but it's about wanting to work. Is that what the transition will be? I think that's the easiest for me. Yeah, I think that's what is that's probably the top on the list. Um, I'm not a big fan. I mean, I love being around the game. I love being around sports. Um, but coaching, I don't think that I could do or handle. Um, I like to keep a full head of hair and keep it <laughs> my color. I don't want it to go gray or go bald. It's a lot of stress with coaches. Um, but, yeah, I think that's an easier transition for me, um, you know, career-wise. And hopefully, you know, still do games, do sideline, maybe still travel some here and there. But um, still be a little active, but stay around the game, talk about the game. It's all we do anyway. So what are some of the businesses that we can look out for by Danny Green? Businesses. Well, right now, so the podcast, like, I can't, that wasn't my idea, Burton. That was Harrison's idea. Yeah, I know. He, like, he called me and told me the whole thing. Like, I was nervous about it. I was really reluctant of it. Uh, but businesses by Danny Green right now, um, you know, we have, he said, I'm trying to bring all my people around me up. We have some of those events that you work with Darren on or Gold Level, yep. uh, sporting events. Um, it's goldlevelse.com. We do a bunch of high school events. We try to bring basketball back to New York. We had stuff about Battle on the Apple at the Barclays Center. Uh, we did try to do one in Dallas, it's postponed. We tried to do one in different uh, cities. Uh, we did our camps. We had Team Green camps, which we weren't able to do this summer. Uh, we do every summer, and we did a tour in Toronto. We did a tour in Texas. Are the camps um, really successful? Of, are those really like? Are the youth coming out to 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 the camps? And are those? I mean, you don't have to give. They me were the, before it was canceled. Yeah, yeah, pre COVID, right, right. We had great. We had great turnouts in Canada. It was amazing. Right, and in Texas, we had great turnouts. So we do the Valley. Uh, you know, the areas where kids weren't able to see Spurs or professional sports, uh, so the lower income areas and, and try to get scholarships for them. And we also try to go back to Chapel every year, uh, places that I called home. I would try right. to go to, then I was going to do one in California, but it was too tough. You know what I'm saying? COVID happened. Couldn't do it in California, but every year we do camps. I do one in my hometown every year for the last, you know, 12, as many years I've been in the league, 12, 13 years in North Babylon, New York. And we're constantly trying to find things to grow and do stuff in the community. Um, not near, It's not necessarily about Danny Green and his business, but it's more so about giving back and helping the next generation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had a list of things we wanted to talk to you about, but we want to be mindful of your time. So I want to pivot into something recent. You got traded twice in one week. Um, yeah. That's the business side of basketball. I want to understand, like, I mean, I'd love for you to shed some insight to the audience about – what you were going through during that, but also the business elements of it, like you talking to your agent, you saying, hey, I'm hearing this, or them calling you. Like, Walk us through how, how you found out you got traded. Walk us through what you're ta- the conversations you're having with your agent, all of that stuff. Well, it wasn't a shock. It wasn't that it was talks before the yep. season ended. And it was, it was something that I wouldn't say expected, but I'd be very shocked if it wasn't talks, at least talks about it. Um, so it was expected that talks were going to happen and then probably some movement. And I knew I'd be in it. Mind you, so we had 10 free agents. There's not many guys on roster left. 
So if they're gonna make trades, I would probably be one of those guys, especially with the contract that I had. RP, Rob Polinka, the front office, everybody in the Lakers organization reached out to me, let me know when there's gonna be talks and things are gonna happen. So they, you know, gave me a heads up. I was aware of it. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't blindsided. I told my agent, let them know what's going on. And I said, well, if they're gonna trade me, you know, I would love to be in a destination where it's at least a, a contender. And I think knowing that, um, I think that's when the works had started happening, OKC in Philly. Um, you know, that, 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 but there's a rule, you know, there's a 30 rule. You can't trade a player, you know, for another player or team. And, and that's why I, had a, I wasn't cleared till December 8th. Right, I right, practice right. Until about the 8th. Um, but yeah, so they made the trade with OKC and OKC. Made the but your agent's Philly. telling Palenka and other teams, you know. Not, not we, necessarily Palenka, but yeah, the other teams that wanted to trade for me. Listen, we're looking for a contender, that, right? So That it's like, you know, he would like to be in a city, um, you know, that's a contending team or playoff team. Um, you know, if it doesn't happen, then obviously he'd love to be there. But, you know, we figure it out at that point. But, um, you know, it was like, I heard trade OKC. Cool. It's like, where do we go from here? He talked to my agent. He talks to the front office, lets them know. He said, all right, you know, they're working in, working out deals to get this and that other done. Okay. I never got a chance to talk to the front office about it. But, you know, things just happened fast. And they yeah. happened again. And it was like, okay, this is what they got done. And normally you would talk to a team that's trading for you again. But I didn't get a chance to talk to Philly. It just happened. But, I wasn't mad about it at all. It's a great spot. It's in the East Coast, one of the top teams in the East, I thought, and thought I could make an impact. Um, not just more so in the locker room than on the floor, um, but I'm trying to do both at the same yep. time. But, um, you know, it was, it was a good spot. So I got a good sushi this. spot for you in Philly. It's called Double yeah. Knot. Double Knot. It's a good spot. So, like, the, the trade stuff is always interesting to me. But you're in year 12, in the last year of this contract. I know you focus on basketball, you focus on winning. I mean, you've won the championship the last two years. Are you thinking about next contract? Are you thinking about, like, I'd like to get one more big one in? I think everybody thinks that, but I, I think more so at this point, um, I just think about the resume, the brand. Uh, I think everybody wants to keep that. Uh, it depends on what you, you know, different players, they have different likes, different wants, different needs. Um, some guys care to win. Some guys care to just get the next contract. Um, I think a lot of guys want to do both. Right. Um, I think that's ideal. Um, you want to be in this league as long as you can, make the most as you can, but also win. Um, so that's always on the plate. And you want to, all right, well, before I get too old or before I'm out, you know, I need to play well to make this. Better. But for me, it's always my branding and just, you know, continue. I love to win, keep winning, keep being competitive. Um, but also at the same time, said you want to make the most as you can and be in a city that you, especially as you get older, you want to be in a city that you can enjoy with your family, uh, with safe, you know, et cetera. So you look at all those things when it comes to if you're a free agent. Obviously, trading you have no choice, but when you're right. a free agent, you know, where's the best city for me to be with my family, be safe, have a good place for them to live, me enjoy as a player and as a person, and also make the most of it at that job. Just like you look at when you look at other job offers or opportunities, right. Like that's, I mean, that's where I'm going with it. Like this is, you're going to have another free agent year, right? Like you had that when you went to LA. So you're going to pick where, and it's situation and money. And like you said, city, um, I, I just, I guess I was just curious, like the money is a factor here, right? Because it's a, it's a, it is a business, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the stuff, like it's not as simple as like, eh, I just want to go here. Like it's, you know, th- there might be some gangster offer, uh, next summer and you're like, all right, I never thought about these guys, right? Exactly. And like I said before, it's always a factor in everything that's happening in right. business. Um, even when it's not business, when it's political, when it's social justice, there's always the foundation of it, which is it's ugly truth, but there's always some type of money 
business move behind it for you know ulterior motive for people to to move or do move go forward with certain things that they may not even believe in but it's always a factor when did it hit you that this is a business at what do you remember the moment like oh damn this is not just basketball anymore probably i think most guys experienced it the rookie year um or at least the first two years when you see you you're in college you're used to being with teammates and with them for four years right Uh, but when you're with guys and you build a bond with them go out with them you know brotherhood and become like close with them and the next you know they're cut traded waved damn and they got somebody new and everybody just keeps going on like this is normal in the league damn i was just with him yesterday like he's over there and then you see it happen again mm-hmm. and i think after you after your first two years you're like i get it um and now you're seeing it more it's more glorified than ever because guys are getting so the power of players are going to choose wherever they want to go yeah. and NBA Twitter and Woj bombs and, and all that guys stuff. Like, yeah. well, I don't care. I want to be here. Um, it's not about, you know, loyalty to our organization. Um, you know, you, you see it, they said it's right in your forefront. All right. We want to be mindful of your time. So, uh, I don't know if Savannah has a, uh, a closing question or thought, but I'd love to hear about, Danny, if you have a closing thought or question about just the business side of sports and basketball that, you know, any advice you'd give, not just to athletes, which I think is really, you know, younger athletes, I think it's really uh, insightful, but also like, you know, a nugget that, you know, a Joe Schmo like ourselves would maybe don't know about what you go through on that side of things. Yeah, man. Uh, say, you know, take care of your mentals, take care <laughs> of your chickens. You right. Know, all those things get everything in line. But no, nah, at the end of the day, so, you know, you hear a lot of people say those things, but um, if I had to give some advice to a young man, uh, it's just a, just prepare for way ahead of, you know, of, of, for the future. And um, so I don't have any regrets, but the more organized you are, the more prepared you are, the less likely you'll be shot. You know, save, always save for a rainy day. Um, you know, the quicker you learn how to say no to somebody, the better off you'll be. Um, but yeah, do your research. Do your due diligence on any business partnership even friendships uh, because you never know people's ulterior motives but yeah you know be sure to you know do what's best for you you know don't worry about mom dad brother family obviously you you keep them in mind but do what's best for you be you find the you know be find the happiest situation where you can keep you know your job pure because um, most jobs even if you love it a lot of times you're going to lose some love for it yeah it won't for be sure as pure. there's always politics in it but find your way to have that pure happiness as if you were a kid. And um, so business-wise, just take care and be careful and watch, you know, where your money's going, you know, and save it as much as possible. That's sage advice. I hate, I, I don't like filling out expense reports. That's the, hmm. that's, that, that's not my happiness at work, but appreciate the time, Danny. You, oh, as Anytime. always, you're very thoughtful. You're very insightful. I'm going to be man. in Philly next month. So I'm going to holler. Actually, I'm going to be in Philly for something with you, that Sam's Club thing. So let me know. Um, man. And let yeah. make me look good. Cut out all the dumb stuff that I said. <laughs> uh, make sure that make sure I look no, good. You're Gucci, but thank man. you for the time. Appreciate both of you guys. Thanks. Absolutely. This was amazing, Danny. Thank you so much. This was, this was super, super insightful. Thank you for your time good luck the rest of the way guys stay covid free take it easy thanks for tuning in make sure to rate review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to follow us on all social channels at the black box pod the show would not be possible without our team special thanks to our producers amanda berkowitz and katie mcguigan our video director paul aspen music by yay ali designed by lineage digital 
all photos by Jonathan Gabriel Charles, and our production house, Gotham Podcast Studio in New York City. Special shout out to Raul Hernandez. We'll see you guys next time. 